Alright, let's declare God's word. Let's rise to our feet. If you are going to be blessed today, declare a convincing amen. amen. Alright, I like the sound of that. One, two, let us go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Lord will speak to you today in Jesus' name. And you will have understanding of what He's saying to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Please, let's take our seats. Um, today is our sixth uh, edition, that our sixth um, meeting, in which we have been speaking about the subject of um, the true service of God. What I want to do today is to explain a particular point about um, some things that are not, they don't come easily to mind as work for God, which are actually work, that these things constitute working for God. But most Christians don't realize. Now, I'm going to take my text of scriptures today from two uh, portions of the Bible that we all know very well, but we don't often use in this regard. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Last time when I was speaking, I thought that today I would go on to speak about the fact that what people call secular work is actually the work of God for the Christian. But I just, um, when I was meditating this morning concerning today's meeting, this dropped in my mind, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit, so I want to pick, it, uh, pick up from this particular one. It will help us actually join to that also. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I want to explain something concerning the reason why God placed us on the earth, and if we know what He wants to do through our lives, it will be responsible on our part, okay, to cooperate with that and not follow our own agenda. There are two sets of messages I will make available to us here. I didn't teach them here. Alright, I'm sitting on creation of purpose, okay? Uh, uh, one of the things I explained, alright, when I was teaching that series, it's a particular series I did not hear. Um, uh, when I was teaching on uh, uh, creation of purpose, one of the things I explained is I looked at the life of Eve. How many of us know the woman called Eve? You know her story, alright? That's the wife that God made for Adam. Now there's something that you should bear in mind. Was it possible for Eve to have decided that she did not like the garden, she wanted to live elsewhere? That, that was not possible. Now, humanly speaking, she could do anything. God gave her that liberty to make a choice. That was why she could reject, okay, um, the commandment and, the, and, you know, and then she went ahead. She was deceived by the devil. But what I want to bring out is that she, she wouldn't have had a right to do what she wanted to do with her life. There was nothing like that. Why? Because we know why she was made. If you heard that I, one day Eve said that, um, Adam, I don't like this place. You are not an ambitious person. Let's get up and move. Let's go and explore the high mountains. Let us go and do this. If you are not going to move, I'm going to move. You know, you are going to look at her and say, Eve, what is wrong with you? Don't you know why you were made? First thing that comes to your mind is that he was made in the image of God. Adam was made in the image of God. And at a particular point in time, God said, it's not good that this man be alone. Then he made Eve for Adam. So if you are looking at Eve, whatever decision she's making in life, you will realize that Eve must never, for any reason, Eve must never at any point in time pretend as if she has a right to her life beyond that of keeping Adam company, beyond that of helping Adam succeed in the reason why he placed him there in the first place. Are you getting my point? As we call family meeting, Eve and Adam are having problems, so they sit down. And Adam says, 
you ask them what's going on. Adam says that, well, uh, the other day, I even said that she, she was tired of the garden. And for that reason, she wanted to move somewhere else. You know, you will say to Eve, you were made for a reason. He said, but I, she says that, look, this place is no longer comfortable. You will say to her, it's irrelevant. You were made for a reason. If this is a place where this man is fulfilling God's purpose for his life, God said, it is not good that he's alone. That's why you were made. Now, please, I'm not teaching about marriage now. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. So, don't, let's not look at it and say, um, okay, I'm talking to women. No, I'm talking about life generally. For example, God said the same thing to Jeremiah. Before you were born, I knew you. I consecrated you to be a prophet. These were things that we did. Your life has a purpose. So whatever Eve, um, whatever Jeremiah did, if he didn't follow that path in life, he would have been behaving like Eve that walked out on Adam. You are getting the point here. That's one thing about living a life of purpose. That's a series. I have a long series of it, all right? Well, I didn't teach it here, but I'll make, we'll make the series available later. Now, why am I talking about this? There's a reason why God created us, and we should be careful to walk according to that reason. We should ask questions. There's nobody that's placed here just arbitrarily. You are right for a reason, and it does not include being comfortable. I want us to understand that point. It does not at all include being comfortable. Comfort is an addition to it. It is not at all, all right, the purpose. For example, my car should have engine oil. Do you understand? But I'm not going to start, I'm, I'm not going to choose a car based on engine oil. I don't know what I get my point. The engine is just supposed to help the car do its normal work. The primary purpose for that car is transport people who are going somewhere from one point to the other. Let's take another example. Let's take that car again as an example, right? As another example. You show me the car, beautiful. The AC is fantastic. GPS navigation. Auto, auto, what do you call it now? Autopilot. Mm-hmm. Self-piloting. Everything, very comfortable. If you're in that car, it, you won't feel any gallop at all. And that's a very nice car. How much do I pay for it? You say, oh, look at it. Cars, cheap cars in Nigeria, and if they are brand new, they're going for 8 million naira. The lower end ones. This one brand new, I'm giving you for 2.5 million. You say, wow, very nice. So when do I test drive it? Oh, I forgot, it does not move. He <laughs> said, why can't it move? He said, actually, it requires a special levitational mechanism that's not available in Nigeria. If you like selling for 25 naira, <laughs> I am not going to buy. Why? The reason why a car was made is to transport me from one point to the other. No matter what you pack inside it, no matter how beautiful the car is, if it can't do that, there's no need. Do you get my point? You don't make choices about your life based on how comfortable you will be. Comfort is supposed to assist you to do the will of God. So you first make up your mind concerning God's will, God's purpose. Then all other things can be added to it. Like I say all the time, of course, many of us have, have business between here and Onicha a lot of time, in between here and Oka. You are going to Newe, I go to Newe quite, quite often, all right? So you have to drive the, that road from here to Oka. Before the, the, what you call old road, before it was renewed, we're using the new road that was bad. Do you understand? But we kept on going to Oka. We kept on going to Onicha. We kept on going to Newe. Why? We had business there. The bad road was an obstacle to overcome. Then one day we found a new road. That is, the old road was renewed. And we all moved to the 
the, that's beautiful road. And we, we say, oh, very nice. We kept on going where we were going. Then now the road is bad for those of you who use it. But you did not stop going where you are going. You can complain along the road. Say, why is this road like this now? Why did they not repair it? Oh, these trucks, they spoiled it. Overloading of the road. But you keep on going. The road is not a tourist attraction. The purpose of the road is to help you get to where you are going. So no matter what the obstacles are that you meet there, you keep overcoming them. There was a day we were traveling to go and preach on the new road that is very bad. I had two, short, two you know, like a car backfiring or something. Tow, tow, you know, that kind of thing. I didn't think anything of it. On Sunday, I noticed commotion up front. I just said, Ola Inka, I'm robbers. One guy had aimed at our vehicle and fired twice. But of course, I don't know what he was trying to do. That was when I said that the shot I had a few seconds ago was a man releasing two rounds from a shotgun. So as, as soon as the guy hit the room, <laughs> the brakes, I turned and I saw the guy right beside me. Now my father had a gun. So I knew some things about um, shotguns. So I saw him drop his hand like this. So I said, Yinka, he's trying to load. He doesn't have anything inside. So he raised the gun. I said, Bobos, Yinka, turn, let's go. <laughs> because, you know, my, my, I mean, I grew up with a gun in the house, you know. Uh, my father used, we used to go game hunting and all of that. Double barrel. So I know that he only carries two rounds. I could identify the double barrel one. So one, those two, two hours as he released from both barrels. So when we stopped, he wanted to shakara us with his gun. And I said, I lie, nothing there inside. <laughs> Because I saw his hand go down into his pouch trying to reload. He needs a few seconds to crack the gun open, toss to him, and close it again. Now, what am I telling this story? We turned. Do you know what? We just went and waited. After that, we still went back on that same road. Why? I was going to preach somewhere, and they were waiting for me. All this arm robbery is temporary. I'm still going where I'm going. <laughs> That's what I'm telling this story. We just turned, waited. I think we had police come or something. Anyway, after a while, we waited for like 30 minutes. The affair was clear enough. We entered the same road and continued to where we were going. Why? We had a place to go. The people were waiting because we could talk on the phone. Look, we're having problems. All right, they will wait. And they waited till we arrived. And I preached to them. And they were blessed. What am I going to say? Comfort doesn't dictate my life. Comfort does not dictate your life. It's purpose that dictates where you go and where you don't go. You see why I'm saying all of these things? Because there's a reason why God kept us, kept us here. There are many reasons. But there's one that is relevant to what we're teaching, teaching today. We're talking about the work of God. I said we should open somewhere, right? Have we read it? Okay. First Peter chapter 2. I want to just read this one that we all know. Uh, let me back up briefly. I'm going to verse 9, but let's start from verse 4. It was speaking here. He said, coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then it's for you who believe. Now let's just go to verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Look at the purpose. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him 
who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you, verse 10, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, that's what you were. But now you have received mercy. Now please notice that my, verse, my emphasis in verse 9 says so you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, and there is a purpose, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Please bear this in mind, very important. Now please, let's quickly flip over again to Romans chapter 3. I want to read about six verses there. Now what I've said so far, before we read that, is to emphasize that, listen, there is a purpose for which we exist. There is a reason why God kept us on the earth. And it is crucial, alright, that we bear these things in mind when we are making choices. How do we work for God? What is the true service of God in our lives? I want to look at it from a particular angle today. Let's read it from that verse 21. Paul said this, Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They have been justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Now please slow down. I want us to read this carefully. He said this was to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time. So that he will be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I must admit, reading this <laughs> is um, it's like Peter said, some things are hard to be understood. Let's try and read a simpler translation. Just to pick a verse here. He said, verse 25, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sins. People had made right with God. That's New Living Translation. When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair. Now, please notice this. When he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. The Bible says, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he will do in this present time. That is the time that you and I are in. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. New Living Translation has tried to make it very simple. Let me try my best to make it simpler. Alright? Because you and I are looking at each other. We are speaking the same language. Now this is what happened. The Bible says to us categorically that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. It's not possible. So why did God accept the blood of bulls and goats as an atonement for the sins of people? He said it was because he was using that one just to show that the people have faith in the sacrifice that he has prepared. Are you getting my point? So that when Jesus came, alright, the coming of Jesus was to show that God was right. 
and he was not unjust. Otherwise, it was wrong of him not to punish sin. Now, what am I going to say here? So, if Father David will do something, he will sacrifice a lamb. But the fact is that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Then why did God forgive him? God said, listen, there's somebody that's going to pay later. That's why I'm not punishing him. People will do things that are, are wrong. Why won't God punish? Because they offered one sacrifice. He says somebody is coming to pay later. So the coming of Jesus showed to us that God was not lying. God was not unjust. God knew what he was doing. Now I'm not teaching on the sacrifice of Jesus now. What I'm teaching on is that the Bible said this was for the demonstration of his righteousness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he made it clear to us that we are made to show forth his excellencies. What am I saying here? There's a reason why God placed us on the earth. One of the things he's doing is to demonstrate certain traits about himself. If he says something in scripture, are you getting my point? Is that thing true or is it false? God knows it is true. But the only way he will demonstrate that it is true is through your life and through my life. If you say Jesus died and he nailed our sins and our sicknesses to his cross, God knows it's true. But until people get healed on the earth, the, the, nobody else knows it's true apart from God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said himself took my infirmities and my diseases. He himself took your, our infirmities and our diseases. And by his stripes, we have been healed. It's a prophetic word. It's in Isaiah chapter 53. Is it true of us? God knows it is true. But God is careful. He likes what he knows to be demonstrated. I hope you are getting what I'm saying here. Yes, he can say from now to tomorrow, the only thing that he accepts that his righteousness has been shown to be true is when people start getting healed based on that word. Until that happens, we have left a question concerning the integrity of God Most High. That's why he said, I created you people, he was speaking through, uh, through Peter there, to show forth my excellencies. I know I'm great, but I want everybody to know it. I don't doubt that I'm great, but I want everybody else to know it. I mean, let me give an example. He wanted to punish the Amorites. He told, he told Abraham, your descendants will live here. He said, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, listen to this. They did not know it to become full. Why did he not just punish them on one day? It would not be right. That would not demonstrate his righteousness. So he waits until they by themselves pack their iniquities until it is full. Then he wipes them out so that today there is no Amorite in existence. That's how he does things. I hope you are getting my point. If you are around on Tuesday, School of Bible Exegesis, I was talking about centuries past, ages ago, former times, and all of that. And I went line by line. I showed us that there are different levels of human beings on the earth when it comes to blessings and curses. There are different levels. We saw that Cain was cursed. Yes, he was. But now there are no descendants of Cain. They all perished in the flood. After the flood, Noah came out as the only descendant of um, um, Seth. And then Noah had four sons. Ham. Oh, let's start with Shem. How many sons? Three sons, sorry. 
He had three sons. Shem, Japheth, and Ham. Are they all the same level of blessing? No. We know that the most blessed of them, the most blessed was Shem. They're not on the same level of blessing. The next was Japheth. His blessing was tied to Shem. Then we know, well, we don't have time to explain it now, that Ham was cursed. And it said, cursed be Canaan. That's one of the descendants. A servant, the lowliest of servants, a servant of servants he will be. Now we said that even though he mentioned Canaan, my understanding of the Bible is that it does not tie for him to curse Canaan when Ham sinned. If you know the way it is, he will say the leprosy of Naaman will not depart from the house of Gehazi. From Gehazi and his household. It's always like that. A man sins, it starts with him and it goes to his descendants. And it does not distinguish which one of the descendants. So why did Moses say curse be Canaan? It's simple because he was coming now to take the land that belonged to Canaan. So he was given a narrative to explain what was happening. So he narrowed down his narrative. The truth was that what Noah said was cursed be Ham. My emphasis. No, uh, Ham had four sons. Cush, Put, Mizraim, and of course Canaan. All of them were cursed. But again, our Jesus is not about those people. Our Jesus is about Jesus Christ. We said all of that that is in former times. That the Bible tells us in that Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2 that we read. That God has reconciled everything to himself in Christ. Let's say it clearly. Like I told you before. There are messages that the white man cannot preach. We will lynch him. Not only am I a black man. I'm a black, black man. So I can say it. Chooks. We are the ones that can preach it. All these yellow boys can't even preach it. What do we mean? There is not, there is a spiritual reason. It's not like they say in pidgin English. No be ordinary eye. It is, there is a spiritual reason why of all the nations of this earth, the black nations are the ones that are down. The other day, you know, have you ever heard before that Nigeria is a rich country? There's so much wealth. We are mismanaging it. Know the truth? We don't know how poor we are. If you want to say that, please speak by faith, not by reality. The other day, we talked about healthcare. I, I, my friend, you know, my classmates, they were chatting. And I noticed something. One of them posted something. And that the budget for healthcare for England alone, not the whole of the UK, England, for 2016 was 117 billion pounds. England healthcare alone. How much did we budget as a whole country for everything, including, I mean, for everything, including police, armed forces? How much did we budget? Naira. Yes, I want it in dollars. Because 117 billion pounds is about 160 billion US dollars. Our, our, our total budget, eh? Please, is it up to, is it up to 40 billion dollars? Everything put together. There's someone says that we're a rich country. They don't know what the courage is. You're so poor, you don't know what the courage is. There was a time President Passenger was speaking. Dollar, uh, before it was bad, it was, it was worse then than it is now. That is international price of crude, our major forex earning. And he made a statement which I never forgot. He showed that the budget for one year for New York City fire service was the same as that of the whole of Nigeria. 
all the total government budget for one year in Nigeria was the same that year as the same that New York City budgeted for firefight. Didn't include the police. Did not include any other thing. A person just said, stop saying you are rich. That, you know, people have this, Nigerians have this kind of socialist expectation. They don't know what they call riches. Americans will, look, you know why only God can defend you against American warfare? If America wants to fight, fight you, you have to go and call Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Jehoshaphat has to lead with singers because there is nothing. <laughs> no, let me tell you the truth now. Let's know what the, let's know what's reality. Listen, listen, listen. Some of the things that they dash us, whether they say they dash Nigerian Navy, a boat. You know, it was funny. You know why? It was a boat that their coast guard was retiring. Not their own navy. I don't know what I get my point. Coast guard. Nine, five star general for Nigeria, uh, um, uh, uh, navy. Go salute to Coletta. <laughs> Listen, when America wants to build a stealth bomber, one of them is $500 million, one plane. Those days, one to- is cheaper now. But when they first came out with the Tomahawk missile, each time they fire one Tomahawk missile, it's a million dollars. Like you fire a gun, boom, and that bullet is one million dollars. You can't fight them. If you use all your GDP to buy equipment, <laughs> if these guys want to fight you, you need Jehoshaphat to lead the battle. Because nothing else will work. Now, you know why I'm saying all of these things? I want people to understand what they call wealth and what they call poverty. I don't like ignorant people telling me that Nigeria is a rich country and they think they are speaking based on forex earning. That the problem we have is that, uh, uh, one day I had a quarrel with one of my, my senior bosses, not part of the disagreement. He was talking to, he worked a lot in the Middle East. The problem with Nigeria is that, um, we don't know how to manage our money. If you go to Qatar, which is where he, where he used to stay a lot, you see the way that you do things. I said, sir, I have to disagree with you. I told him straight. Don't tell me the Saudis know how to manage money. If you say that, you don't know what they call money. The Saudis, I don't know now, then their whole population was like 3 million people. How, much, how many were they those days? Yet, they were producing twice the amount of oil Nigeria was producing. We want 50 million people queue for our own. When you want to talk about country rich, eh? forget that thing. When people like us talk Nigeria is rich, we are speaking faith. We are not talking who drill oil, who not drill oil. It's faith we are talking. When I say Nigeria is rich, I'm counting you. You are the, are you getting my point? You are the reason why I say Nigeria is rich. And when you have men that have insight, that's what they also look at. That is a country that has a lot of untapped resources. It's not tapped. That's what we mean by rich. We're not talking about earnings. We are talking about untapped resources. We're not talking about any. Because we're talking about any. No, this is a very poor country. England budgets for his health care alone more than four times what we budget for everything. So let's let's understand what they call wealth. Let's understand what they call poverty. Now, having established that Nigeria is physically speaking poor, I was talking to one pastor. He was chatting with me from Burundi, Nigerian. So he was there, we're talking. 
So I said, what's happening? He told me that, okay, they are doing this, they are doing that. So I said, who's paying? Because, I mean, you hear that. I call you one, they say, hey, okay, Mose, sorry, I did for Sudan, I did preach. So you just want to know, he said, how did you get there? He said, okay, somebody invited him, some links. So I asked him simply, who's paying? I wanted to know. You know, just, we're just chatting, they just know. He said, the church. I said, which church now? Is it the church that invited you? Or your church in, in Nigeria? Let's make long story short. He said, the church in Nigeria. I said, okay. He now said, sir, the people are very poor here. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. After I told you about poverty, yet we are one of the richest African countries. <laughs> That's why I'm talking about it. I first described to you where we did. The let's not go amongst the black guys. <laughs> We're on top. The largest GDP in Africa. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Let's, let me be honest with you. The only reason why a white man shouldn't discriminate against you is because you believe in Christ. Otherwise, he has every right to do it. Yes, he does. You have invented nothing. Until it came, you didn't have a story building anywhere in the whole continent. He br- <laughs> Listen, let's let say the truth. Listen to this. You couldn't even count large numbers. Most of Africa. They will give you pockets, okay. Civilization started in Timbuktu. It's Islamic. Yeah. That's what you're reading. Don't even see this, the, the civilization. It's descendants of Japheth that brought it down from the Arabian countries. Listen, the largest single word, at least I know Yoruba language, is for 50,000. Okay? They tell you, okay, come. That's the largest word I know in Yoruba language for numbers. Million did not exist. They didn't have anything to count in millions. Every other number is a multiple. Everything is a multiple. They tell you, which is one million, which means 1,000 times 1,000. <laughs> That's what it is. But Yubuma will count million, give you billion, trillion, even, even invent words for numbers that are not practically useful. He will tell you zillion. Zillion is a number that has no practical use, but that's how he reasons. He's been looking at stars for a long time. The other day I was really, I was watching on, I was reading a, 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 a particular thing on BBC News, and they're saying that they captured a star before and after it exploded. And the whole scientific world was so excited. They don't capture things like that often. They see the, uh, the, the supernova. And oh, I read about it. And I just quickly went to, where did it happen? They said, this star is 22,000 light years away. Now, let me tell you what that means. It means that explosion they are capturing happened 22,000 years ago. The light just got to the earth last week. Men are inventing. They are tired of light telescopes. They have X-ray telescopes. Talking about wealth. That's what they call wealth. It's not saying I chop belefu. No, no, no. Wealth is that you sit down, you look and say, how far is this star? And you spend 10 years trying to invent a method to calculate the distance. Listen, God is answering our prayers in Nigeria. Otherwise, you'll have known that you are run by fools. Honestly, a lot of our leaders are complete 
thorough, embellished idiots. Why do I say that? You know, when you are there, you don't even know what your problem is. You know, now this is the problem we have in Nigeria. Africa, generally. We think we are, on, we are developing. That is by faith. If we're talking reality, you ain't developing nothing. You think you're developing because you're running around a racetrack. Or your woman don't go four times, so it's in front of you. You think, meanwhile, you, you don't know he has done four laps. <laughs> because it's in front of you. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point here. <laughs> so when he said, a servant of servants, he will be. That's not a joke. The day we get to heaven, when I find Noah, he, he has to explain some things to me. Why did you cross a man like that? Why didn't you just say your brother would be greater than you? That one has nothing. My brother drives Bentley. I drive a BMW. There's no problem. He builds a, a skyscraper of 200 floors. I built one of 70 floors. No wahala. But you now say a servant of servants. But now the man is carrying building to 20 floors. I'm still using rounded huts. That's wickedness. Noah, you did bad. You see where I'm going on, please. That's the situation, my brethren. That's in times past. That's why, let me tell you something about slave trade. It's very wicked. Slave trade is very wicked. What they did to slaves were bad, or was bad. Very wicked. But believe me, it's kinder than what slaves did to themselves at home and the destiny they had back at home. If you look at it, that's a kinder thing. So many died on the voyage. Many were dying at home. Didn't you see the places where slave trade did not get to? You saw they didn't advance at all. You heard that a, a, a used copper was the one that discovered people in the Koma village about 20 years ago or 30 years ago in Nigeria. And they were not developed at all. There was no education. They were still killing twins 30 years ago. Why? They happened to live in a mountainous area of Adamawa State. The missionaries overlooked them. The state traders overlooked them. Without their influence, we saw what a black man would have been by himself. Nothing. He never lived long. He said, those people used to live long. He said, lie. At the age of 50, they look like they are 120. So you assume they live long. <laughs> Listen, the girl was delivering from when she was 14. At the age of 24, she's had 10 children. When you say at 50, she's a great grandmother. So you use your developed mind to calculate her age. You say he's 85. 85 waiting. The girl is 50 years old. Then she dies at 55, looking very old. At 55, her maids are still wearing bikini in America. I'm not saying she should do that, but I'm not trying to say explain that. <laughs> no white man should listen to this message. Don't play this for any white man. But let's paint the picture for the way it really is. There's a reason for it. Like I said, no be ordinary eye. It's a curse. It's a spiritual problem. Miles Moreau spoke once, said the only country on the earth that was run by black people that was developed was the Bahamas. And they had a constitution written with the Bible as a template. That's the power of life.
that's in Christ. When South Africa was getting their independence from the white, from minority white rule, what the whites did was bad. I'm not saying it's good, all right? But I just said, first story for them. I said, you guys, you, get, you should have just collected the political independence and allowed these guys to continue ruling. Because shortly after my brethren collected the independence, South Africa began to have power blackouts. That's power failure. Why? Because five years before, they went and told my brother Tabu Mbeki that this is how we do things here. This is the amount of growth that we expect. So we need to expand power infrastructure, put things in place to catch up with the growth. The man thought like a typical black man. He said there's no problem, the light is constant. Five years exactly to the date, besides switching off light. Why? Development that came had outstripped the amount of power that was available. My friend lives in the U.S. Chooks, one day we're talking. He said after he moved to America, he understood why Nigerians don't have good roads. I said, why? He said, they can't afford it. He said, they can't afford it. He said, when he moved to the U.S., and when he had budget for constructing road, he said, just because he knew he was not in Nigeria where they share money, he was wondering. A road will budget maybe equivalent of $1 million. Those guys will tell you the, the road is $7 million. He said, until you see the road, you now understand why it's $7 million. The road can't spoil. So he told me, he said, my brother, Nigeria can't afford good roads. The kind of good roads we need, we can't pay for it. I said, he said, so my brother, he told me, don't be angry that you don't have good road at home. Nobody to pay for the road. It's too expensive. Why am I saying all of this? Am I here to discourage you? You know me, I love Nigeria. Why I don't quarrel with people anymore over the last few years, I realized that all my talk has been by faith. And I wonder people were walking by sight to understand me. So I don't talk anymore. I don't quarrel. 